0: The new Super Beats Hard Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com, and save 15% with promo code DEAL.
1: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Welcome to First Look, Washington Post Live's one-stop shop for news and analysis. I'm Jonathan K. Part, Associate Editor at the Washington Post. A major story in the Post this week involved Hunter Biden's business dealings, particularly with a Chinese energy company that netted him and entities controlled by him millions of dollars. One of the reporters on that story was Matt Weiser, national political reporter for the Washington Post, and he joins me now. Matt, welcome to First Look. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jonathan. Good to be here. So, Matt, take us inside this story. What did you find out? So we examined this 14
0: month period, uh, starting in August of 2017, uh, where Hunter Biden entered a business arrangement with several Chinese executives from a company called CEFC. Um, That is a a large energy conglomerate um, with close ties to the Chinese government uh, through some of their their officials. Um, And they entered this agreement to to sort of pursue um, oil, energy, gas deals um, around the world and and in the United States. Um, Over the course of those 14 months, uh, Hunter Biden um, got about $4.8 million transferred to his accounts, according to the bank records that we reviewed. Um, 3.8 million of that was for consulting, but none of those projects ever worked out that they had pursued. Um, another million dollars was for a legal retainer um, for a gentleman called Patrick Ho. He, he was a, had ties to CEFc as well. Uh, Ho was arrested several months after Hunter signed this contract to have uh, to be his his lawyer, uh, but a different lawyer represented him in this um, bribery scheme that that he that Patrick Ho was involved with um and then some of that money 1.4 million went to James Biden uh who is president biden's brother hunter's uncle um we should say that we found no criminal wrongdoing here but at the moment uh hunter is under uh, federal investigation um likely related to his taxes uh, potentially related to some of his income from from chinese entity entities um and then, just lastly, one quick note on our sourcing is that we reviewed a lot of material, including bank and court records and government documents. Um, and we also had a copy of the hard drive that Hunter had dropped off um, at a at a Latin laptop store in Wilmington, Delaware, in 2019. And we had that drive reviewed by two forensic analysts who could look at it and tell us what we could kind of be confident in and, and what we couldn't about that drive. So we, we use things that we could be confident in or could corroborate uh, for this particular story.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because um, you went to great lengths to verify the authenticity of the emails that I, I, I believe were on that, that hard drive. Uh, tell us about the process that was taken to, to determine the authenticity of those emails.
0: Yeah, so so there's there's about
1: 130,000 emails
0: uh, on on the drive. Uh, so we had these analysts look at those emails and review them. And it, there's a, there's a system through which you can cryptologically verify an email, a sort of a stamp as the email gets sent um, uh, at the time. And so you can sort of tell that nothing has been tampered with on that email, and you can you can have pretty great confidence in that. Given the type of technology that's used to to verify it, um, so of the hundred and thirty thousand or so, we had about twenty two thousand uh, cryptologically verified emails. Um, so there's a lot of other emails on there that that uh, you know are not necessarily not authentic. We we just couldn't verify them. They didn't have the stamp. They didn't have the data that downloaded uh, needed to sort of have that sort of gold standard uh, that we could rely upon. Um, So so we used those emails that we we could do. And in some other cases, we had emails that we could obtain from other sources or verify through another recipient. There was a series of emails that we obtained from the Swedish government because Hunter was renting a property uh, in an office building that the Swedish government owns. So they had those emails and we could we could verify it that way by getting those emails and corroborating them with what exists on that drive
1: i want to go back to something you said um a little bit ago because I'm sure um folks who are watching who are not deep in this or even deep into journalism, they heard it and they thought, how'd they get that? You said that you were able to you and the team were able to get a copy of the hard drive, of Hunter Biden's hard drive. How did you get that get the copy of that hard drive? How did so that happen? Yeah. yeah.
0: So when this story first broke um, it in the weeks before the presidential election in, in 2020, the New York Post had had the first story based on this. At the time, the drive was in the possession um, or a copy of the drive was in the possession of, of Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani, Trump allies. Uh, we had asked for the drive at that point so that we could review it and determine the authenticity of it and, and sort of what we could say about these uh, these emails um, and, and not, they would not give it to us, they would not show it to us. Um, but uh, over the summer in, in June, we uh, were contacted by Jack Maxey, who was a researcher with Steve Bannon's show, The War Room, his, his podcast. So uh, Jack had a copy of, of the hard drive Um, And he brought one to us. Uh, And so we were able to review what was on that drive. But one of the reasons that we took it to these different analysts is that there there are reasons to be deeply skeptical of the material, given the chain of custody that it has gone through before it got to us. So that's one reason that we had the analysts review it. And that's one reason why we treated a lot of the material with with some skepticism before we could uh, have confidence to publish anything based off of it
1: see that's that's journalism at work and 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 folks are watching let me tell you when you get something like that um that's just like handed to you here here's evidence from a really huge story um your mind just explodes but it, it speaks to um um speaks to the craft of journalism the lengths matt you and your team went through to corroborate verify um what you were given um before we go and you alluded to this earlier. um, uh, you know, the White House has always maintained that the President never got involved in business dealings uh, with his family or any overseas businesses. You found nothing to dispute that, right?
0: Correct. yeah, Joe Biden, um, there are instances where he is um he's referenced in here, but nothing related to the to the China deal um, that we that we discovered. um there there's no evidence of of money payments to him. Um, he's of course released his tax returns, so there's there's been no evidence of him benefiting through this um, through this particular deal. Um, and so uh, and there's no strong evidence that he had knowledge of the of the deal that came to fruition. There was an earlier deal that that Hunter did pursue. Um, and, and there's there's one particular email that references the big guy and 10 percent for the big guy, which um, is uh, the illusion is that that is Joe Biden. And that claim has always been in dispute. And, and we found nothing on the drive that would illuminate uh, anything about whether Joe Biden had entered into any discussions uh, You know, related to any of the deal. So I I think the main implications for him, quite frankly, are whether the decisions of his son, whether his decision to sort of, you know, try to have a blind eye about the business deals that his son was pursuing, was a good decision or not. Um, You you saw that with Burisma, with the the Ukrainian gas company that Hunter was involved with, which got great discussion uh, during the presidential campaign, and you see that with the China deal, where the president is is sort of allowing his son and his brother in this case to to pursue these deals and and perhaps having no knowledge of it but it it um you know he, he still has certain close ties to to both of these individuals
1: mhm and you've been covering politics and washington politics for a long time and i'm sure there are people who who are listening to this and they're wondering should joe biden have no, have known whether when he was a senator, whether when he was vice president of the United States or now as president of the United States, should he have known about the activities of his son and of his brother uh, about their business dealings and their ties to foreign companies? Uh, what do you make of, of folks who are thinking in that manner?
0: I mean, I, th- I think it's, a, it's probably a, a fair question. Um, it, you know, Should he have been up to date on, on um, his, his son's activities? Um, you know, the family and the t- close ties that he has with his family has been such a major part of uh, Joe Biden's biography. Uh, you know, right. it, it's it's not a son that he is estranged from. He's very close to his son Hunter, um, and and so you know, it, it sometimes strains credulity for for people who who know that aspect of him to to feel like they never talk uh, you know about anything business related. It's all sort of only personal because they do talk quite frequently you know every thanksgiving they they go to nantucket together you, you know so they're a very tight knit family so the fact that that he doesn't know um about anything that hunters doing or, or that his brother you know jimmy is doing it, you know it is is kind of hard to believe for some people i think given how close he is to to them
1: right and then we should point out that there is a that there, there's a big gulf between Knowing what someone is doing and knowing whether what someone is doing is criminal, it doesn't it doesn't mean that it automatically is. And a lot of times, or profiting from
0: it. There's no indication that Biden has profited from any of this. You know, so I think that that's the other important distinction for 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 Joe Biden is that you know he he there's no evidence that he has earned money off of this any of these business relationships that that Hunter. Has engaged in uh, whether he's been sort of politically, you know, unastute in in knowing more about these. Given the public impressions of it, is is kind of another matter.
1: Right, and f- folks who uh, know about the the Biden story remember at the tail end of the Obama presidency how then President Obama came to the financial rescue of of Vice President Biden when um um his his son was battling brain cancer. Matt Pfizer, national political politics reporter at the Washington Post. Thank you very much for coming to First Look. Have a good weekend. Thanks so much thank for you. having me. Thank you. I'm gonna keep the conversation going with the opinion side in just a moment. Let's go to the opinion side of the Washington Post where Washington Post columnists, Jennifer Rubin and David Von Drilli Uh, are here. Welcome to First Look. David, welcome um, to First Look for your very first time.
2: It's great to be here. Thanks, Jonathan.
1: (laughs) All right. So, General, I'm going to start with you. You have a column this week critical of of Donald Trump asking in an interview this week, asking Putin to release dirt on Hunter Biden. Um, Trump's used this tactic before, as we all know. But does he believe trashing Hunter Biden it is still a winning issue for him.
3: He probably does in this uh, conspiratorial mind that con- Continues to search for um, old and uh, stale storylines. He still wants to lock up Hillary Clinton. So it's not too much of a stretch to think that he thinks uh, Hunter Biden is some kind of uh, big fish that he's going to snare. But you're exactly right. He has done this many times. He asked if the Kremlin was listening when uh, he wanted Hillary's emails released in 2016. He, of course, wanted President Zelensky of Ukraine to. To dig up dirt um, or man- manufacture dirt on Biden, uh, and he was willing to extort Ukraine to get it. And now he is once again going to an uh, enemy of the United States, engaged in a war um, and committing war crimes to see if, again, he might help him out. So I think it's just indicative of this narcissistic personality that Trump has, that everything revolves around him. Contrary to what Susan Collins thinks, he never learns his lesson. And he sees nothing wrong because he's not particularly loyal to the United States. He's loyal to himself. um, And whatever helps Donald Trump, uh, he'll do.
1: So, David, I'd love to get your your impressions on this. And also just, why can't they quit him? Why can't the the GOP quit him?
2: Well, to push a little... The same question could be asked of us. Um, Well, okay. (laughs) One of the reasons Trump does these things is to get the spotlight to swing back to him. Uh, Jennifer is absolutely right. He suffers from uh, narcissistic personality disorder. I know it's against the rules to diagnose mental illness uh, from afar, but if uh, anybody goes to the the, uh, diagnostic textbooks and runs down the list, for narcissistic personality disorder, uh, Donald Trump checks every single box and has from the time he walked onto the public scene uh, almost 40 years ago. So Mm -hmm. um, he does it because it works. And the GOP uh, doesn't quit him because they have nothing else to go to. Uh, Back when he came on the scene, Trump was so successful in part because the Republican Party was out of ideas. They had been the party of fiscal discipline and ran up record deficits. They had been the party of prudence and had stumbled into a uh, couple of wars that they had no strategy for ending. Um, and they were the party of uh small government that had gotten mixed up in a number of uh, you know big projects, including uh, education reform, and so all the things they had stood for, they no longer stood for, and uh, and Donald Trump was willing to fill the void. Wow, and that was in twenty that was in twenty sixteen, and
1: through through the Trump presidency. But what I'm wondering is when the Constitution is on the line, when patriotism is is at issue. You can't find too many Republicans out there who are willing to go out on a limb. can't believe I used that phrase, but go out on a limb and denounce him for any number sure. of things, but particularly saying to Vladimir Putin to release dirt on the, on the, the son of the guy who beat him in the last election.
2: Yeah it's it's amazing it's disappointing but uh what what counts as spine as in the GOP right now is uh saying nothing um so you look at a Mitch McConnell um and a number of senators around him they they do the sort of no comment they disappear they so they're not supporting uh the president and occasionally the majority or minority leader has come out and drawn lines against Trump saying he's gone too far. But mostly they are uh, uh, silence is what passes for courage right now in the GOP. And so, Jennifer, I mean, you, you do silence and
1: you ignore, hoping that the, the monster that's under the bed or hiding behind the curtains will go away or, or doesn't see you. Um, it does look like uh, Trump's hold uh, on the party, at least the, the party faithful, seems to be lo- seems to be loosening. from your vantage point as a former Republican, but you still keep your eye, you still keep your eye on them. Uh, is the is Trump's hold on the party loosening?
3: I think it is in one respect. Um, He can no longer command the party's loyalty in terms of endorsements, for example. His record is pretty shoddy, and I think it's going to get even worse um, having picked some questionable characters, particularly in the Senate races. So in that regard, he doesn't call their tune. He also doesn't call the tune on policy these days. Um, We've seen how he has had to do a 180 on the war uh, in uh, Ukraine because that's uh, where the entire country is, and that's where the even the republican party is um, he does have another hold on the party, however, and that is this um, relationship with the extreme base. He has his finger on their pulse. He's able to rile them up. He has a personal relationship with them, and that's why so many Republicans are afraid of him. He is afraid; uh, they are afraid rather that he will sick the base on them, that they'll get primary, that people will write nasty things about them and send nasty emails and send nasty. T- texts and skewer them on social media and that kind of fear of um, donald trump's wrath and the base's wrath is what i think promotes this massive cowardness um, by the uh republican party so it's a peculiar situation he doesn't really control what they do or who gets elected but he sure does um, exercise this kind of psychic control over them and what's more um, if he decides to run in 2024 I don't see that there's any other Republican who's going to really um, match him stride for stride who's in that camp. Uh, you might see Liz Cheney, you might see um, a uh, Adam Kinzinger, but in terms of um, what passes these days for the um, base or the conservative uh, mainstream of the party, I hate to use that word because they're not conservative, um, he's not going to get many challenges if he runs.
1: Let's um, switch gears to talk about um, Russia's war. Uh, on Ukraine, and I'm gonna stick with you, Jennifer, because the White House this week released an intelligence finding that concluded uh, Putin is being misled by advisors about just how poorly uh, the war is going in Ukraine. How significant is this? Uh, And I'm asking this because I don't remember, um, well, maybe I just wasn't paying attention, a time when um, the White House and uh, is declassifying information and getting in the head of, of an adversary, a major adversary like this.
3: This is one very significant change we've seen in the Biden administration. And they did this in the run up to the war, of course. Um, they released information showing that the Russians were prepared to use false flag operations. and detailed videos that they were planning on using in order to uh, psych up their uh, military and uh, their domestic uh, audience. So I think that is an innovation. It's worked extremely well because I think they were able to for once um, capture the public opinion, capture the message, Um, and of course, now that the war is going very poorly, um, they continue to reveal these things. Um, They continue to, as you say, get in his head. Um, And whether this is true or not, um, you now can imagine uh, already isolated, paranoid Putin thinking, hmm, have my advisors misled me? And who is telling the White House that they've misled them? So it's really, you know, mirrors and mirrors and mirrors. Um, And this is what you do in a successful intelligence, uh, counterintelligence operation. Um, You make the guy who's on the run even more paranoid and even more scared and questioning his advisors even more.
1: And and so, David, you know, this dovetails nicely with what I was going to ask you. It might make him more paranoid. But do you think... it makes him, makes Vladimir Putin more dangerous. Because this is a guy folks were saying before the run up to the war, um, we don't know what he's going to do. Well, now we, we, we see what he's doing, but could he do even worse?
2: He certainly can do worse, Jonathan. I mean, he, he's in possession of a, uh, a world destroying uh, nuclear uh, arsenal. So he can do uh, whatever bad thing you can imagine. He can conceivably do it. There's a lot of question about uh, whether his military would follow his orders if he brought down some apocalyptic uh, end of times nightmare. I don't think he's going to go there. Um, I think we're seeing what he's willing and more importantly, what he's capable of doing. Um, and so th- does this kind of mind game make him more dangerous? He- he's awfully dangerous as it is, and <laughs> yeah. I agree with uh, Jennifer that this is has been and continues to be an effective technique. My guess, and it's purely a guess, is that this is based on more than just uh, spies sitting around in-, in Langley trying to think of how to get in his head. And that it's actually based on either human intelligence or intercepts, and that he actually has been complaining about being misled. And now we're feeding that right back to him and saying, You can't talk to anyone without us knowing what you're saying. And uh, <laughs> that is a demonstration of America's uh, power and capability, which, you know, the big headline from. This Ukraine war, besides the suffering of the Ukrainian people for no reason, is the the big headline is just the enormous disjunction between Western power and Russian power. They are not on the same level. And and that has to be uh, a shock to Vladimir Putin, who thought he was leading the West around by the nose.
1: Um, we've got um, a little bit of time left. So we have to talk about Ginny Thomas, her husband, Justice um, Clarence Thomas, and just about the Supreme Court. And David, you wrote a column uh, all about this this week, and it highlights uh, the significance um, of Justice Thomas. And I'm wondering, I mean, after the Chief Justice, Justice Thomas is the most influential justice um, as the leader of the, the conservative majority, is he not?
2: Yeah, this is, uh, it snuck up a little on me, and I, I try to keep an eye on the court. But uh, Justice Thomas has always been uh, very much uh, a, a lone wolf uh, in terms of his judicial philosophy and ideology. Uh, he was often paired with the late Justice uh, Antonin Scalia as a as a duo, but really they have very different uh, views on many subjects. Um, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, the progressives in America have been dismissive, scornful of Clarence Thomas his whole career. Well, we wake up now and he is the senior associate justice on the court. And what does that mean? It means that anytime time he's in a majority and John Roberts, the chief, is not in that majority, Clarence Thomas assigns the opinion writing. That is Mm -hmm. what passes for power and influence at the Supreme Court is the ability to assign opinions. And so he is now the number two guy on the court. And that makes, uh, you know, sort of his breakfast table talk uh, maybe more relevant than it would have been uh, Mm -hmm. under different circumstances.
1: Jennifer, as usual, I don't know how to tell time, which means that we have less than a minute left. Um, Your final thoughts.
3: Uh, The Clarence uh, and Judy Thomas um, scandal is important for two reasons. One, it shows how deep the intellectual rot is on the right. And secondly, it raises real questions. Um, Why doesn't the Supreme Court have a mandatory code of ethics? And what do you do when a Supreme Court justice apparently violates them? Uh, And uh, you don't really have impeachment because impeachment doesn't work, as we have found out under uh, Donald Trump.
1: Jennifer Rubin, David Von we got to go. But thank you very much for coming to First.